Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about scheduling to overhead with the help of special guest Billy Dodd of Blue Ribbon Residential Construction in Raleigh, North Carolina. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. We need you to send in some ideas to me, Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been doing some reruns. Part of that's a, the plan, but part of it too is that uh, my mind gone blank a little bit sometimes. So I need some help finding some ideas. So I uh, really would appreciate some help uh, with that. So uh, scheduling is a big challenge and really doesn't matter who builds the schedule. There's always a struggle around it. And so um, supply chain issues have made it a bigger challenge for us. But even just getting the duration right for tasks on a schedule is uh, oftentimes agonizing. So I, I, we have this conflict between what the project manager thinks it'll take and what the estimator thinks it'll take. And the project manager says at least 10 hours. The estimator says, you know, when I was out in the field, I could have done this in six. So that's what I'm going to put in the estimate. And so then we have this conflict that goes on. And then... You got to start thinking about like, how many days does it take to work 10 hours? And, you know, everybody goes, oh, that's easy, Tim. It's a day and two hours. No, it's not. You got all kinds of things that take up your time, like meetings and tear down and set up and things like that. So production time may only be six and a half hours of a day or something like that. So that 10 hours might be a day and a half. And on top of all that, Scheduling has to take into account the fact that our goal for the year may be five, six, seven million dollars produced volume. And almost never, and I know I never did it as a lead carpenter or as a project manager, when I sat down to create a schedule, I never thought like, Am I creating a schedule that's going to allow me to do enough work so that the company can produce $6 million a year? And so every time I might set up a a schedule that goes a week longer than I should, it starts eroding the possibility that I can produce enough work in the year to actually create the volume of work that we need for this to be a profitable year. And so we have to think about a lot more than just how long will framing take to create a good schedule. So our guest today was in one of my virtual seminars. And I remember hearing him say something about, you know, talking about scheduling to overhead. And then he went on to something else. And I made a really quick note. And I said, I got to get that guy on the podcast. And so For those of you out there, just be careful what you say around me because I'm going to get you on the podcast if you say something kind of interesting. So, Steve, let's get going. All right. So, Billy Dodd is the sales and design manager at Blue Ribbon Residential Construction in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
Billy has been with Blue Ribbon for about a year and comes from a long line of carpenters and entrepreneurs, having run his own construction business for about eight years prior to joining the Blue Ribbon team. In his time as the owner of a company, he gained experience as a crew lead, designer, sales rep, estimator, scheduler, project manager, etc. This experience gives him the opportunity to evaluate projects from numerous angles. Now at Blue Ribbon, he has more a, a more localized role, and his experience allows him to corroborate realistic schedules with well-researched overhead figures. Welcome to the show, Billy. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the introduction and the high praise. We'll see if I can uh, live up to it throughout the course of this interview. Well, it's um, a challenge. It's a challenge on every podcast for all of us to live up to how great we think we are. So, <laughs> so that is um, for sure. So, Billy, just give us a little bit more information about the company. How big is it? Um, how much mm -hmm. volume do you do every year? That sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So uh, Blue Ribbon has been in the area for about 28 years, I think, this year. Um, going on 29 here in a couple of months. Um, originally, it started as a new home building company. Probably, okay. um, I think it ran that way for maybe six or seven years. And then John Sparath, the owner, um, kind of took a segment of the work that they were getting and formed a different branch that did exclusively remodel work. And since then, um, that has been the only thing that we've focused on. Um, all remodel work. I don't even know if he's ever done any new house builds. And he's <laughs> he's been working on crafting this system um, that accounts for all the variables that he's seen throughout the the course of the past 28 years. And now I don't, um, at some point, I think it was in 08, the new home side of the business went down, but he managed to carry the remodel side through. Um, and so uh, I was running my own company for about the past, well, prior to coming here for about eight years. And my wife and I were having kids and <laughs> working 80 hours a week became less tenable. Um, so I started looking around for a place that I felt I could trust and I could put my skills and knowledge to use and that would be a good fit for the type of work that I'd done. So Blue Ribbon's where I landed and so far so good. I really enjoy it. Yeah, a lot of us have found ourselves in that place where we just didn't want to work for ourselves anymore. And so we put our hired ourselves out to uh, other folks. So um, mm -hmm. this idea of overhead and associating it with scheduling before we get into the details of this, how long have you or the company been thinking about connecting those two things? Cause like I said, in the introduction, I'm going to almost guarantee you that the worker, the worker be on the job site, thinking about a schedule, isn't mm -hmm. thinking about overhead. They're, they're thinking about, I got to get this done by Friday. And so how, how long have you made this connection? Yeah, well, I'll say for my part, prior to coming to Blue Ribbon, uh, my system was not great. <laughs> As I think is is typically the case with smaller companies where it's like an owner operator who's wearing right. a dozen different hats. Profit margins might be okay because they are at every level paying attention to everything. Uh, but system-wise, it's not always phenomenal. Right. Um, as, as far as I've gathered from being here and walking through the processes and, and working with John on some of these things, 
he's been building the current model that we work off of for at least the past 15 years. Oh, wow. um, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty involved process that he's crafted over the course of that time. And it involves, um, you know, looking back at previous years and modifying the ones that are coming up and COVID as with every company threw in some curveballs that were hard to anticipate. And we've had right. to revisit some things, adjust some numbers a little bit here and there, but ultimately the base model that we're functioning off of has stayed pretty, pretty much the same, I believe for probably the past 10 to 15 years with little um, infrastructural modification to it. All right. So we're not going to be able to give them everything that you and John have learned for over 15 years, but Mm -hmm. want to kind of give people an idea that that upper level view. So I'm just going to ask, you know, this question, just give us an idea what this is. What what is it that you do that connects the two concepts together? There's this job schedule and then there's a company schedule, I'm sure. And then there's the overhead numbers. What's the what's the yeah. overview of that? Sure. So the challenge at, at the very first stage of contact with the client, when you're starting to draft your first estimate, whether you send in an itemized estimate right off the bat, and that's what they sign, and then there are a bunch of allowances in it, or like us, you give a ballpark estimate that gives an ideal range, and then you narrow that throughout the course of design, you have to give some sort of realistic figure. And oftentimes, one of the first five or six questions that a homeowner will ask is, how long do you think this will take? Right. Um, and you have to, at that point, you can give a kind of gut feel, but at some point when you're crunching the numbers, you need to narrow that into something that is at least somewhat within the realm of accuracy, Right. right? Um, and I think a common mistake that we make in construction is that we will anticipate a certain time frame, and like you referenced earlier, we'll either be way off or B, we just won't really have any concept of what that time frame costs us um, right. in, in overhead. So um, uh, a big thing that I think we'll be discussing here today is how Blue Ribbon has tried to corroborate um, our cost per week or per month for our overhead costs, both the static ones like um, our lease and our insurances and those other things and the variable ones like fuel and tax expenses and tool upkeep and how we've tried even at the earliest stages of estimation to build those things into the quotes that we have so that we're accounting for all the sticks and bricks as early as possible. Okay, cool. So um, I'm kind of assuming that that this it relates in some way to overhead costs. Is it is it typically per day per week that you guys work this out and you and you're looking at your estimate and saying, you know, um, do I have enough overhead in there for the job? Is that the, kind of the idea? Yeah, so effectively, we don't we break it down to the week. And that's usually how we estimate the duration of a project, for instance. um, And we have a whole template laid out for um, our base time estimation for a kitchen or time estimation for a bathroom or for an addition. 
And obviously remodel projects are never cookie cutter. So as I'm writing the bids or as John's writing the bids, because he does some of the sales as well, I'm having to think of things like, is this project going to need steel installed in order to support the second level over top of the kitchen? Um, and take a look at past jobs that maybe were similar to see, well, how long did this run um, in order to ensure that I'm actually using data to craft my plan instead of just using a gut feel? Because um, as I mentioned in that initial contact, gut feel is fine. The clients are just looking for a, a quick response. But as I'm actually writing an estimate, gut feel becomes a little bit of a, a challenge. Um, and you can run into issues where you've forgotten to account for things. Um, so as uh, I know we'll dig into this more as we go through, but effectively we've, we have taken um, usually the past five years worth of revenue and averaged out the amount of revenue that we bring in in the year and then averaged out the amount of static costs that we spend which, like I said, are things that just don't really vary or don't vary much at all, like our lease agreements or our insurances, right. any car notes that we have, things that are going to be the same month to month to month. And even right. utilities can be bracketed into that. And then the other portion of overhead that's usually the sliding scale are production-related costs that right. are hard to code specifically to jobs, especially if you have salary members over... Um, hourly employees, which right. we do. Um, so we've broken those into two categories and, <clears throat> excuse me, divided up the static costs with a certain percentage of overhead that we put on top of our estimates as a markup. And then the variable costs, we broke down to what that typically costs us in one week if we have six to eight jobs running with a yearly revenue of three to 4 million bucks. So when I'm writing my estimate and I say, okay, this job's gonna take 21 weeks, I'm putting my markup, my flat markups for our overhead, our static overhead and our profit on top of it. And then I'm also putting in a certain dollar amount per week that the job's running for those more variable overhead costs. So this is just a mind blowing thought, okay? <laughs> Because for I don't know how many years uh, I've been teaching classes and things like that, and almost everybody says you figure out your cost and then you mark it up 40%, and then mm -hmm. that includes your overhead and your, your net profit in there, and that includes a lot of those other things. And so what I'm hearing you say, and I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, is you have a markup that you use. And mm -hmm. then and then you're going to look at another number that says we're going to be in this job for 21 weeks. And per week, we need to add another five hundred dollars per week that will cover those costs. And by the way, for those of you who have really into accounting, some of the things that Billy are talking about, you may consider indirect costs. That's another way of of defining mm -hmm. this other thing that he's calling flexible overhead. So, but you're literally looking at your idea of what it's going to take and you're adding dollars per week. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, that is and then typically we'll put our profit margin on our profit markup on top of that. So that we're actually, 
trying to account for actually making money on production instead right. of that just being a, a flat expenditure, which otherwise tends to be the case. So so do you actually have a line item in your estimate? Like if you, you I don't know how you do it, but if it's a spreadsheet, you're, you're there's a line item there. It says, how many weeks does Billy think it's going to take? And that mm-hmm. multiplies it out. And then that's added to the sticks and bricks. And then all of that's marked up. Exactly. That's precisely. Oh. It's almost like you looked at the the <laughs> spreadsheet before you asked that question. But no, yeah, this... the very first bracket at the top of my spreadsheet is time. And in that time, f- time frame, I'm going to go ahead and anticipate the three to four weeks that I expect permits to take, which okay. is technically job time because we have people who are doing things. We have people who are running over to the job to check a measurement because the surveyor didn't put it on there and the plan reviewer is asking for it. So if I expect a kitchen, for instance, to to reasonably be completable within 12 weeks, I'm probably going to put 15 or so because I know, A, we might run into some issues and B, permits are going to take at least a couple of weeks for us to get that. And we need to bill for that time as well. Yeah, that absolutely amazing. Because I was going to ask, like, what's the difference between a $50,000 job and a $200,000 job? Because a $200,000 job isn't four times as long as a $50,000 job. There's going to be so it isn't it isn't like a dollar related volume amount, but it's your your idea of what the schedule is going to take. And uh, it's it's interesting you bring that up, because as we know, it tends to be the case that larger jobs have a slightly lower overhead burden in general than smaller right. jobs do. Um, right. And doing it this way, one of the biggest benefits is that I can account for that variation more accurately because that $1,200, which is what our figure is per okay. week at the moment, is you know a smaller job that maybe is only $100,000, I still expect to take nine weeks, um, which is a larger percentage of the total cost than uh, an 18-week project that costs $400,000. So it helps us to account for that 3 to 5% variation in the overhead costs right there in the figures without us just kind of shooting for it and knowing, ah, you know, the overhead might be 22%, it might be 18%. Who really knows? We'll figure it out when we end, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is a this answers a question that comes up all the time. Is it okay mm-hmm. to have a lower markup on bigger projects? And from what I understand you're saying, the answer is no. You mark mm-hmm. everything up the same, but because the duration is different, then that dollar amount per week effectively gives you a less of a cost for overhead. And this is just like a new, Mm -hmm. and I tell people when I get excited about stuff, I'm not faking it (laughs) and I'm not faking it here. This is such a cool idea. uh, And, and I'm really glad we're doing this, uh, doing this podcast. So how does this all relate to the fact that you're going to have six jobs going on at one time and, and there's obviously, if you've got project managers, different people there, it isn't just one person's time. How does all that relate to this $1,200 a week? Mm-hmm. So effectively, when I, 
when we write out our budgets um, and that $1,200 a week is what's allotted for, we're expecting per project to spend 10 hours of in-house time, whether that's my time overviewing some documents about it or the project manager stopping out on site for an hour each day throughout the week or somebody else in the company is doing something or we spend fuel. It's really divvied up uh, amongst that 10 hours and it tends to be pretty accurate. Um, on some of the projects, when we dissect them and look back at them, if it looks like the time was a little bit more, we had to be a little heavy on this one, um, we might adjust our um, time frames on a similar job in the future to account for that issue. I might make it 1300 bucks a week or something, account okay. for a couple more hours. Um, but ultimately, um, we're expecting to be running about six to eight jobs concurrently. And that tends to be the case throughout the past couple of years. That's usually what we're running at. And so if we're hitting those numbers and charging around 1200 bucks a week for each of them, then we're going to be able to cover our overhead costs across the board and uh, meet our goals at the end of the year. Sometimes if things are a little bit dry, like, you know, we have a couple of projects fall off, a few of them are still in design, but they're not quite ready, and we're only operating at four projects, then our overhead percentage, technically speaking, for that short duration is there's more of a burden applied to that job. But it's usually the case, as we've seen throughout our estimations, that there will be times when we have four jobs running and times when we have 10 jobs running. And the, the costs and the revenue stream tend to average out so that this $1,200 number is a good sweet spot for us. Um, and as we grow and the project styles change, because we're tending more toward 250,000 and up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're starting to see a little bit of a strain on the estimations that we have, you know, especially with some of the jobs that are that are bigger. If my time calculation was off by three or four weeks, we're probably okay right now because we also have other ones in the pipeline that we maybe finished a week or two earlier. And like I said, that sort of law of averages pans out. But if we tend to not have any smaller projects that are easier to maintain a time frame on, and we're tending toward $300,000 projects as a norm, it might um, mean we need to reassess, shift our positions, and either increase or decrease different things as needed. Um, so how do you, that answers how do you track that? That's, that's, that's a great point. How do you, how do you weekly, biweekly, once a month, make sure that you guys are on track. I mean, just things like this, uh, it, it feels a little scary to me and maybe to a lot of business owners to say, oh, my estimator just gets to tell whether I yeah. get, you know, uh, $8,000 or not, you know, because right. he, he he put me in it at two, uh, 25 weeks and it should have been, you know, uh, it should have been 28, you know, so right. I just lost a bunch of money. That That sounds a little scary to me. So how do you guys track it along the way and make sure that you're hitting the numbers, even like you said, when some of them don't hit it and some come in a little early, how do you track that? Yeah, that is the hard thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of difficult things in construction, but that's one of the toughest ones. 
And it's an important one because if you do that poorly, then your company will suffer because of it. Right. Um, so we tend to build our schedules for the whole project during design right. so that by the end of design, as we're reviewing the budget, we have a review with myself, with the project management staff, with the estimator. Um, and then we have our budget review at the homeowner. And at that time, I'll have candid conversations with the production staff and talk about that really fancy door that's going in and how it has to have these very particular clearances, because if it doesn't, it'll screw the whole project up. Right. And those types of complexities add time, even though they don't feel like they will, they do. Um, and at that time, if he says, mm, I don't know about this, I really feel like we need to add some, then I absolutely will before we go into production. Okay. Um, so production has a stake in setting these, these weeks. Okay. Yeah. They definitely do. And then that's really only the first stop gap, because yeah. as we all know, even production can mess that up. Sure. Oh, no, <laughs> early no on we, in the project. we never mess it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so as the job's running, we have the calendar being updated consistently. They have to fill out daily or weekly job logs. Um, and we can usually tell pretty early on if it looks like we're going to miss our marks. Right. Um, and if that's the case, there's usually some sort of cause, a failed inspection or something of the like. And we've tried to build in some fluff to our time right. to accommodate those since they will always happen. Um, more often than not, we're pretty accurate. But if we are inaccurate, we'll dissect the job at the end and say, OK, what were the things that we missed? And then try to account for those in future projects that are similar. Right, right. Oh wow! All right, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this baby up here, and um, this has been really cool. I really didn't know exactly where we we're going, you know. Even though mm -hmm. we had talked before, everybody out there in the world knows we talked before these these shows. But I love some of these things that that you've shared with us. Just give us an idea. I mean, I know you didn't, you weren't there when it all started, but how would mm -hmm. a company? kind of get started thinking about this kind of thing and and maybe maybe steps one one to five or something like that on how they should how they should be thinking. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I think step one is data. You have to collect data, um, real data from your company and then also outside data from other companies if you can obtain it. Specifically, if like this is maybe a plug for like <laughs> remodelers associations or something, right. I didn't intend it that way, but so be it. Um, specifically, if you can obtain stuff like that, which John, the owner, did, yeah. um, he's been parts of several different things for a couple of decades, and that's aided him because he can peer review and see how his process is running. But um, even if you're not a part of that, if you can look back at your recent accounting for the past couple of years, um, look at all of the different numbers that you have and try to break them out. Your staff, your um, vehicles, your taxes, your insurances, your utilities, every single different thing that you can measure and then put all that into a bracket where you can break it down to whatever your, your bottom sort of time bucket is, whether you estimate things in days or weeks or months, if you're doing $2 million projects and you don't really think of things in terms of weeks, um, you'll have to scale it to match your company, but you do need to use real data. 
So um, get the data first, and then I would break it out into fixed costs and costs that tend to fluctuate, and then divide those costs that fluctuate by the amount of time brackets, whether that's weeks, days, or months. Right. Um, and make sure that corroborates with the typical revenue that you do hit. And then the fun part is once you do that and you apply your fixed percentage for those other things that are static, is you can now start seeing, well, how do we massage these numbers so that we can project a higher revenue than we had last year? Because you can't really project a higher revenue or know which direction you need to go with your SEO or other marketing strategies until you actually do that data analysis, figure out your raw costs and what you would like to make on your projects. And then that kind of provides the pavement for moving forward. That makes sense. So Billy, uh, we are wrapping up here, but um, if, you know, I know this is one of those podcasts and this is, a 100% compliment, but it's going to be one that people are going to have to listen to one or two or three times yeah. to really get everything from it because it's it's been just chock full of information. Um, mm -hmm. So you laid out kind of the steps of looking at the the data and it's involves the, the three steps, but would there be certain symptoms that people would feel that they would need to Put something in this place or, or you know when they listen to this what they could expect to fix is it profitability issue is it mostly just in the actual performance of a project is it everything what, what would be mm -hmm. something that they're looking to solve here yeah i'd say profitability is the thing that's probably suffering the most um if you don't have a good idea of what your costs are and in my experience from running my own company, and then also working with other companies toward the end of running my own business and kind of seeing there seems to be a bit of a trend in construction that um, there's a little bit too much fly by the seat of your britches with your own <laughs> costs, you know? And I, well, you know, last time I did it, we were spending somewhere around 30,000 a month. I, it's, it's probably up at like 35, you know, um, but as of right now, it seems to be the case that there's more money coming in than money going out. So we're in the green. Yeah. And that's that's a very bad position. So we call miscellaneous on the S. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you feel like that's where you are, then I would encourage a deep dive into data analysis and figure out exactly where those costs are. And then using some sort of system, either like ours or a modified version of it, Try to actually apply those costs via markup. And if you can, some sort of weekly or daily or monthly figure that is budgeted in from the very outset so that you can capture those before you just realize, wow, I thought I'd make 10% on this and I made 4%. This right. is really yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other, awesome. the other pain, as I indicated before, could be different markups for different size projects. And mm -hmm. just thinking about it like this just changes that whole thought process in my head as to, I mean, I've always known, you know, the overhead was different for a $50,000 job versus a $200,000 job. It's just a different thing, but, but applying the same markup all the time doesn't necessarily get you what you need for those smaller projects. 
And mm-hmm. so it's a, a, a challenge. Well, Billy, this has been absolutely fantastic. I agree with Steve. People are going to have to listen to this thing over and over again to get all the little subtle things that came out of it. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate you letting me drag you in here and, and talk about this. And uh, we wish you guys the best of luck. Sure thing. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much, but if so. No, this uh, is awesome. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Fantastic. This is great. Thank you, Billy. Take care. Likewise. Appreciate it. So, Tim, whenever you send me the title of a show, I'm always looking over it and seeing what I, uh, you know, take a look. This one confused me originally, <laughs> and so I didn't know what we were getting into, and this has been an incredible show. What are some things you've taken from it? Well, you know, like I think I went over it already in the in the presentation, but just a different view of looking at the overhead. I think I indicated that for many, particularly Remodelers Advantage members that are in our accounting world, uh, we talk about indirect costs. And that's one way of making sure that that all these costs that he's talking about get uh, put into production. But this, I think, may actually be a little simpler way of looking at it. And uh, so your markup, you know, maybe your markup was 40%, maybe it's really only 30%, but then there's another, you know, 10% that's accounted for by the weeks that are going to be in there. <laughs> so I really liked, I really liked the whole concept of doing that. Um, you know, I think everybody out there in the world ought to understand that his boss, I, I, John, has been working on this for 15 years. And, you know, Billy said it kind of has stayed static. I doubt that seriously. I doubt, you know, I bet they got it started and have been tweaking it, you know, all along and making sure that it really works. In fact, he indicated that they keep keep looking at it. I think the other thing that really works well, and it didn't come up in the podcast, but so for example, if you have these numbers associated for production and you're having like a production meeting with a project manager and you've allotted, you know, 28 weeks and it's looking like it's going to take 30, you now have a dollar amount that you can say, look, we're going to lose $2,400. Yeah. Um, is there any way we can spend maybe a little overtime money, maybe get two other people on the job, maybe some additional labor up front, but that's a way for your production team to really see the dollars that are being spent if jobs go over budget or over schedule. Yeah, and it just is as simple as looking at your intro of you know the um, the ten the ten hours it will take you know it, yeah. it's actually not what you think it is right you know right. in terms of working time it's yeah people have to kind of shift that mindset there so this has been an incredible show we want to thank Billy Dodd for joining us today and we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show and remember this is a great example of how we're working really hard to help you eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.